we were just talking about how Tuesday is the suckiest day of the week because I'll just quickly go through. Weekend, obviously, God tier. Yeah. Um, Monday, not actually as bad as people think if you just are an adult and just approach it like it's a Monday. Also, usually quite busy, so it's not too bad. Yeah, okay. Wednesday, hump day, baby. Thursday, it's pretty close enough to Friday that you can kind of get away with some Friday action, like yeah. uh, beer after work. Yeah. And then Friday, obviously, you know, it's S rank. Um, yeah. And then Tuesday is just this shitty no man's land. And then we were trying to think of other things that are big Tuesday energy. Um, I've put Volkswagen in there. They're just, you know, they're not Audi. They're also mm. not good. They're not Skoda or Seat. You know, it's just this middle shit ground. Um, I, I can actually think ciders. of one thing worse than a Tuesday. What's that? That is when you think it's like a Thursday or a Friday, but it's actually a Tuesday. <laughs> I love these lazy Saturdays. It's Wednesday. Oh. <laughs> exactly. I love these real Saturdays. I like that Wednesday. They tried to get me fired. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, any other things you want to add to the big Tuesday energy? Um, no, except to say fuck them. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. Yeah. And that's the Hebrew seal of disapproval. Yep. Generally ah. just not vibing with Tuesdays. Can, can we... Can we have more things that are a seal of disapproval? I'm really into that as a kind of concept. That's partly because I'm a miserable fucker, but you know. It's basically just, here's the Hebrew shit list. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of the Hebrew shit list, have you looked at the uh, Aussie Beer Pods Championship? Uh, Every now and then when we randomly get tagged. (laughs) We haven't won a single one in eight weeks. I don't even know what the fuck you do to win. I, I think it's based on like your movement in the chart that they look at. Yeah, I feel like listener numbers. Yeah, I feel like if but I, how would he have that? If, if we ha- if we could show like growth of listener numbers through the metrics that are available, that's how they're judging it. I'm I'm quite keen for us to be Australia's worst beer podcast. Yeah, I want to lean into like, that, which then we yeah. turn around into a period of hyper growth somehow. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Hello, folks, and welcome to an episode of Hey Brew in Lockdown. This is the kind of stories that you might tell in the pub once you've had a couple of beers. And each week, one of us brings a beer and a tangentially related story. And uh, I usually bring a broken intro. My name is Elliot. My name is Mike. Yeah, it, I, I I immediately forgot how it went. Yeah, um, and, and then you caught me off guard by making up theme music. <laughs> Hey, man, a jingle has been a long time coming on this podcast. That's true, but also neither of us can be fucked. We got about that. That was it. Okay. I'll, just, then, I'll, I'll well, clip that out and we'll, we'll just use isolate that. Isolate that. Yeah. And then when we're not in lockdown, we're screwed. Just be like, I'll hey, just, boo, not in lockdown. Yeah, that's exactly how I'm going to do it. Phenomenal. Please don't. <laughs> no. For a start, it's just a lot of work. I already feel guilty that you do the editing anyway. Yeah. No, I, I, I honestly don't think I will. Mostly because, as I said can't be fucked i think that's absolutely fair yeah you've just reminded me of something and i'm gonna make a quick note on my notes here uh-huh. um done there we go hey mike hey again um i'm doing okay we're <laughs> good, what good. almost a week into this air quotes one week lockdown here in melbourne uh likely well, to afraid, be extended I'm, a, I'm afraid we're like four days into it yeah look time again loses all meaning these days yeah. um once we're in lockdown as i always say time is a flat circle yes uh but no it's it's been look just working at home anyway so it's just more of the same but i'm not allowed to go very far if i want to leave the house 
Um, yeah, that's fair enough. Because we're yeah we're fully back to like the five kilometer restrictions and and all that. Um, it's pretty uh, yeah, as you would describe it, buck wild. Oh, uh, it's really the opposite of buck wild. Like I feel like I <laughs> just very very good point. Yeah, just shut in. Buck irritating. Yeah, a little bit. Mm. Bucking annoying. Yes. Um, well, have you had any nice beers to numb the pain? Well, I did actually in preparation open untapped just to look back through um because there was one i had last night uh from trillium brewing company mm. um part of the series <laughs> oh, that they yeah. recently put out through garage project store um i had the fated farmer chardonnay um mm. so i'm guessing by the look of it it's it was american wild ale but i'm guessing they use chardonnay <laughs> like- grapes in it uh, um, I'm I ac- think not, not maybe sure. Chardonnay yeast or something. Yeah, I don't know because like it was there were like four of them that I got in a pack, and they've all got different fruit on the on the label. Uh, yeah, you got that one. Yeah, yeah. So what I, what I'm guessing is that it's more yeah wild ale where they're featuring different fruits, but it was it was quite delicious. Yeah. Um, almost like, like a one sour, love Chardonnay. Yeah, almost like a sour kind of vibe, but um, pretty good, pretty good. I enjoyed yeah. it. Good times. I uh, I ordered a couple of those trilliums, but uh, haven't cracked into them yet. Hmm. Foreshadowing, foreshadowing. Uh huh. Go mm. on. Oh, no, 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 no. Okay. Uh, anything else? Um, no, I mean nothing we haven't spoken about previously. Um, the 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 trend Garage Project have of combining IPAs and sours in weird hybrid beers continues to be great. I had some more of their Astral Projection, which is the second one. Oh, in that yeah. series. Um, the third one, I think, is coming out soon as well. What, um, was, what was it called? So the first one they put out was Harmonic Convergence. Then the second Harmonic one... Convergence, that's it. Yeah, the second one that I had another one of this week is Astral Projection. Okay, I'm going to have to put an order in. Yeah, they're the real good. The third one's going to be called mm. Transient Properties. <laughs> Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Transient, transient Workers. Um, yeah, sweet. Well... In my beer news, um, I think I'll save largely for when we want to cover it properly. Mm-hmm. Um, but obviously, I went to Gabs. Yes, you did. Um, I'm incredibly jealous. Uh, I am incredibly pleased that we managed to sneak it in before this lockdown occurred. <laughs> but then afterwards, I went to Catfish, not Night Cat. I went to Catfish um, and had the eight wired tap takeover. Yes, and I did then see that. I got cut off. <laughs> good. It was a very good idea. Oh, man. I was blind. It was great. Um, those two things were mutually exclusive. I was blind. It was great. Mm-hmm. Um, and then what else? Oh, last night I put in an order for some Moondog Barn Me beer and um, some of the... What do you, what do you call it? Are they, are they, they uh, no safe point? Because I just don't have any yet. Ah, uh, yes. I'm surprised so it's got a couple of four it. packs. Yeah, I think it's just what's left. Uh, it's got yeah. a couple of four packs. Well, like 2077, it's still on the shelves for some reason. <laughs> oh, man. That's Very a gaming good. joke, people. Thanks for coming. Yep. <laughs> um, yeah, man. Um, so that was that was, was a good time. Um, I very much uh, enjoyed it. But other beer news, I mean, I've just been having a couple of nice beers recently. Um, where's, my, where's my phone? I could look at my aunt. Oh, you're on my phone. Not uh-huh. you're on my phone, but I'm looking at you through my phone. Yes. I can't even look at my untapped, but I've had some beers and they've been good. I don't untap anything either, so that's not really helpful. 
Yeah, I was going to say, yeah. that's not really your thing so much. Useless. Oh, I tell you what I had. I had one called Super Ghouls yesterday. Um, I did um, an incredibly long smoked brisket. Yes. And I had Super Ghouls, which was a reference to a bit uh, a video game called Super Ghouls and Ghosts on the um, SNES. Um, and that was by um, Offshoot Brewing. Okay. Which is, um, Offshoot Brewing is an offshoot of the brewery, who we both quite like, I believe. Oh, the brewery. I was like, that's a stupid yeah. way to explain that. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, so that's good. It was very, very delicious. It was like a nice hazy IPA and we had it with all the smoked meats and it was pretty incredible, to be honest. Mm. Got a little drunk last weekend and spent $800 on six bit. Not 800 108 Dollars on six beers. Yeah, Christ, even I had a moment then. <laughs> Fucking hell. Um, but that was the first one. No, that was the second one I've had, and they've so far been delicious. So, you know, no complaints. Good, good. But yeah, that's 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 my beer news. I don't really got anything else. Like I say, we'll cover Gabs in more detail once it stops being in the public consciousness, maybe. Yeah, yeah, okay. Um, wait, it, wait until it's definitely something everyone's forgotten and then go, hey, remember this? Yeah, rinse, rinse it for content. Oh, yeah. Yeah, hell yeah, baby. Um, I've just got to remember to tell the fun story of Gabs on the day. But okay. um, in the meantime, we do have a beer for today. Fantastic. Unlike this show. And you did mention both of the breweries earlier because yeah. it is a collaboration. Yes. And it's also very that. fortuitous that both you and I happened to have a can of this already. <laughs> Yeah, it was it was definitely going to be one of those moments where we got into our fridges and like on a call, like you've got any of this? No, you got any of this? Yeah. It's, it's very much a, a um, an alcoholic game of go fish. <laughs> yeah, it is. Um, but I'm. I kind of want to play. I am, I, no, I kind of want to play alcoholic go fish now. Yeah. Have you got any? Tequila? Got any beers? You say no. You take a shot. Yeah, I was just thinking that. No, someone might die. Yeah. yeah okay. I'll die sometime. Yeah, might as well do it on your own terms, I guess. You've just foreshadowed this episode as well. Oh, Again. no. Don't worry, it's not depressing. Uh, I promise. I promise Great. it's not. Never mind. But it. W- but I'll be making references to Blade Runner quite a bit. Have you seen it? Yes, but only recently I- for the first time. Same. Um, but um, I was watching the Roy Batty scene, and if you've not seen Blade Runner, spoilers for a movie from 1982 or something. Yeah. Um, the bit where he's like, I've seen sea beams glittering off the Tannhauser Gate. All those memories lost like tears in the rain. Time to die. And I was watching it like, God, this is a good scene. Yeah. Rucker Hauer running around in his underwear for no particular reason. Fuck, it's good. Yeah. Who needs a reason? Anyway. Yeah, right. Um, today's beer, though, is not Rutger Hauer running around in his underwear. Today's beer is uh, Garage Project, as you mentioned, and Trillium, as you also mentioned, in collaboration with the hazy double IPA Galaxy Valley, which I'll be honest with you, didn't realize was a double IPA, and I am going to be drunk. Hey, we're both at home. We, neither of us have to drive home after we're done with this. That's going to be sweet. Yeah. I can't even drive. My car is still in the shop. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. And you got rid so of the sweet- working car that you had. Yeah, but I'll talk to you about that afterwards. All right. You want to crack these cans? Let's do this. Why does that sound so sinister? 
and I'm being, oh my God, I could smell that when I turn my head. Um, I'm being an absolute wanker today and using my Sierra Nevada branded um, IPA glass. Very good. I don't even have one of those. I've got a few different shapes of beer glasses, but that shape is not one that I have. You should get one. They're wanky. I've got like essentially a pint glass from a British pub because it's got the little bulge at the top. Nice. I use them for water. Um, <laughs> Fantastic. I've I've had a couple of these glasses. I have one at work that I used to drink my Friday drinks out of. I don't know where it is. It might still be in the office. Look, I've got to say, it does look very good. It's pretty fancy, isn't it? It's a good shape. Yeah. Maybe I'll get me some. It looks it looks like a sex toy. Yep. Now of that some you kind. say that, it kind of does, I guess. <laughs> it looks like a multifunction plug. Anyway, oh. um, shall we taste this beer? I would like to I hope wash it doesn't out taste that like image. a multifunction plug. <laughs> Whoa, Black Betty. Bam, that is good. Yeah, that sure is a fucking double double hazy something or other. Yeah, yeah, that that's shit. That's really something. Um, so yes, it is very hazy, very double. It is. It is. <sighs> It's thick like juice. You can't even see through it. Yeah. Trillium have been making beers like that for a long time, though. They have, yeah. And look, it's. I think it's. It's actually been a while since I've had one like this because I think we've spoken about it. Like I've kind of not gone off the style, but just I've been oversaturated with it. Um, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, I would say even just like I'm almost over it, but then like occasionally you get a one that's amazing and you're just like, ah, you yeah. cheeky rascal. Exhibit A. This beer. Yeah. Um. Hmm. Mm. Yeah, it's the um, citrus flavors are very prominent. Yeah, hundred percent. I mean, tons of galaxy hop in there, unsurprisingly. Jeez, mm. um, um, I'm just looking on the back. It doesn't really give us much, to be no, honest. But no, it really doesn't. Yeah, very, very big fruity hop aromas. Very big tropical fruit flavors. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I think it's um I mean it it is a not a typical version of a of a of a, of a hazy IPA but yeah. it is a very very good one. Um it's really that booze is 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 subtle in there isn't it? For yeah, 8%. But you can notice it. Like just this just is the thing just a little bit on the aftertaste I'm I'm getting it. Yeah. Well, I always wonder if maybe it's not that subtle and we're just like used to it by this point it's like you know when people who don't drink spirits drink whiskey or something and they're like oh but then if you drink quite a lot of whiskey you're just like and you're like whatever that noise was yeah um i don't know if i'm drinking whiskey like that (laughs) happens afterwards um yeah yeah no it's 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 not it's not shy about those flavors but they're not like no getting in the way of anything um yeah, it's just a little bit of like what's called a hot burn in there. Mm. That like, yeah, that little like sort of spiciness in the back of your throat from the amount of hops that are in there. But mm. that is that is top notch. Yeah, that's that's going to disappear very quickly. Yeah, and it is bright, sort of yellowy orange, like almost impossible to see through. Yeah, yeah, like a you know when you get like that orange juice that's definitely made with real oranges, and it's just mm. very difficult to see through. It's that kind of color. Yeah, maybe a bit of mango, bit of mango in there as well. I don't know, but mm. it's frothy like a beer. Yeah, um, I don't really have much more to say on it though, other than if you can get some, get it. Like everything Garage Project does, it's just pretty fucking bang on. Yeah, 
yeah, they're, they're usually a pretty safe bet at this point. Uh, I guess that's why we keep featuring them is like they keep also coming yeah. out with wicked stuff and the art and the names are usually good enough for us to pull an episode together. Yeah, 100%. It's nice yeah. and easy for us to be able to just go like, hey, here we go. Put that in. Yep. So good Garage times. Project, if you're listening, we're accepting sponsorships. Garage <laughs> is listening. Uh, thanks. Yeah. Can we at least get a fucking discount, fam? Oh, well, I got to try that beer of theirs that on the day before it was released. That was oh, pretty great. Yeah, what was that called again? Hard, is it Hard Knocks? Hard Knocks, yeah, yeah. That was fantastic. Um, so they don't listen, but thanks, Gary Project. Yeah. Um, can't even bother to explain that right now, but here we are. No. Oh, no well. It's just a, we, it's a uh, Hebrew mystery. Yeah, like Stout Day and TMC. Yeah, exactly. Um, Stout Day, actually not that mysterious as a concept. No, we've but, actually hey. like done an episode, I think, which was Stout Day. Yeah, oh, balls. Anyway. Oh, well, <laughs> no more fun for us. <laughs> nope. Um, shall we get into it, Mike? Yes, please. So, I've titled this episode, It's Too Bad She Won't Live, But Then Again, Who Does? Which is also from Blade Runner, because I've been thinking about Blade Runner a lot. Okay. From one valley, Mike, to another. We're going to be talking about the Uncanny Valley. Oh, fantastic. Um, so, Mike, I feel like this is the thing that you're going to know a fair bit about as well. So this is going to be quite grand, and I think we'll be able to talk about this in 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 broad strokes, but like with both coming at it with some knowledge. Um, so the Uncanny Valley, for those not versed in um this kind of shit, um, <laughs> you, know, you started out le- so eloquent and then just went. I don't I? know. I'm I'm pulling the ripcord. Yeah, that's really what I could feel it falling apart in midair. Um, So the Uncanny Valley, for those not well versed in the concept, is a theory in aesthetics, a.k.a. the branch of philosophy that deals with beauty and taste. A, sorry, quote, a hypothesized relationship between objects resemblance to a human being and the emotional response to such an object, end quote. Put simply, Humanoid objects, which almost but don't quite perfectly resemble humans, the more they make us... Excuse me, I've I've worded that really badly. The more humanoid objects resemble humans but not quite, the more they make us feel uneasy or have feelings of revulsion. Yeah. I'll come into it in a bit more detail in a second, but examples of the Uncanny Valley can be found often in 3D animation, uh, lifelike dolls, robots... And yes, we are all thinking now about those sex dolls. Well, I wasn't, but now I am. Yeah, now. Yeah. Yeah. I'll just close Um, this browser tab. (laughs) Buy sex doll. Uncanny (laughs) Valley. Um, So the original theory of Uncanny Valley was formed by uh, Masahiro Mori, uh, and it was called uh, Bukimi no Tani Gensho, which literally translates as the Uncanny Valley Phenomenon. Uh, it was translated into English just as the f- word Uncanny Valley by someone called uh, Jessia Reichart in, in her book Robots, Fact, Fiction, and Predictions. Right. By coincidence, this unintentionally linked it to the concept of uncanny, which was a con- psychological concept by Ernst Jenst. Jenst? Jensch? Jensch? Anyway, <laughs> someone German. Um, <laughs> and... 
this is the concept of the experiences of things which are strangely familiar or strange due to their familiarity right. uh, as opposed to simply mysterious. Mm-hmm. So things like this, you could consider things like um, when you dream and you're like, I was dreaming of a place that I know, but something about it wasn't quite right. And that makes you feel really uneasy. Yeah. That's and, uncanny. And, and often like when specifically with dreams, that kind of thing is like the reason you wake up is because your brain goes, wait, this isn't real. Yes, absolutely. Um, so uncanny may describe incidents where a familiar thing or event is encountered in an unsettling, eerie or taboo context. It's like seeing your teachers outside of school. It's like watching a dog walk on its hind legs. <laughs> I, I mean, I've seen both of those things. Yeah, that's a quote from Mean Girls. You're yeah. welcome, people. Um, so this was then built on, built upon by the eternal Viennese pervert, Sigmund Freud, in an essay called Fuck. The Uncanny. You almost got me with a spit take. Damn it, I wasn't looking. Viennese pervert. Oh, my God. As, yeah. as, as someone who studied psychology at uni, um, that, that got me in a very particular part of my brain. <laughs> Which he would probably love. Yeah. No, he'd, he'd probably try to argue that it was my, my, my father or something inserting anyway. That your father got you in a different part of your brain. I don't know. By, in, by inserting he, something. He had some, he had some strange ideas. Look, I'm sure Mr. Jeffcott's a nice man, but I don't think we need to talk about this. Um, (laughs) In German, it was called... So it's called The Uncanny, the essay. And in German... Oh, yes. Das Unheimlich. Probably. (laughs) Fuck. Um, Because that is how I assume you pronounce that. And that's the accent I decided to go with. Nobody who speaks German doesn't do it in that accent. (laughs) I really thought you were going to say nobody who speaks German could be evil. Not at all. Please tell me you get that. Uh, no. Don't you have the tattoo "Die Bart Die" on your chest? Oh. No, uh, that says that's German for "the Bart the." <laughs> of course. <laughs> Fuck's sake! Look, man, it's been a weird week. What do you want from me? That's fair. Um, coming back to the Uncanny Valley. Mm. Uh, so Maury's hypothesis was that the more a robot is made human, more people feel positive and empathetic towards it until a point once it after a certain point of humanness um, people begin to feel unease discomfort and abhorrence as the robot continues further towards the point of looking human the feelings of empathy and positive emotional response will return so if you look at it on a graph it's going to be really hard for me to describe a graph but imagine a line trending upwards 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 past 50 percent up towards the like 80 percent mark Sorry, I should I should I should explain. Sorry, the percentage is across the bottom, so it goes like from zero percent human to one hundred percent human, and then like the graph is upwards. The more upwards, is the more positive you feel about it. Yes. So as you get to like eighty percent human, the positivity is quite high, and then suddenly it drops deeply, and then it goes up again as you get to one hundred percent. So around the like eighty to ninety percent, that's what the uncanny valley is. It's this yeah. area of like a dip in human emotion to um, how things look. So basically up to a point you feel very positively and then suddenly you feel very opposite and then slowly you start to feel more positively again. Um, So they've used here like at the bottom end, like industrial robots and then further up, you like humanoid robots, like that cute little Honda robot thing and um, you know, things like that. They're pretty cute. Oh yeah. I can Um, almost remember the name of it too. Yeah. It's like Amiibo, but not. It's an Ibo, I think. A-I-B-O. Something like that. 
AIBO sounds like something that they would make an AI deodorant for. (laughs) Fuck's sake. Um, And then suddenly it drops pretty hard into things like zombies and prosthetic hands. And then right up to the top to unhealthy people and bunraku puppets, which are a kind of Japanese-like theatrical puppet, which I'll be honest with you, are put quite high up the list here as like things you're familiar and feel comfortable with. Mm. But I looked at them and they're creepy as balls. So that's very much you, Maury. Great. Um, But um, yeah, so that's the uncanny valley and i and i want to talk today more about like why we why this happens yeah okay so why do we suddenly have these feelings of revulsion when something looks almost but not quite human as opposed to something that looks not even really human at all mm-hmm. so there's a few different theories as to why we feel this and it's actually not a new phenomenon um it's not new or related to the rise of robots or 3D graphics, as we also see the same thing with, as mentioned, puppets and prosthetics, but also corpses, especially decayed corpses. Sure, yeah. So there's a few a few different theories I want to go through today. So the first one is mate selection. So this revulsion helps us to avoid selecting mates with things like low fertility, poor hormonal health, ineffective immune systems, And this is based on what we perceive to be visible features of the face and body, which could be indicative of those traits. So if you look at someone... That thing looks weird. I don't want to fuck it. Pretty much the opposite. Uh, Oh, no, that sounds mean. Um, (laughs) I don't want to know where that was going, but it can't be good. Yeah, well, I was going to make a joke, but my partner (laughs) listens to this and it just sounded like I was dissing her. (laughs) Yeah, probably best not to. No, uh, and she's in the other room making dinner. So yeah, I'm quite guilty for this her anyway. This might be the last episode of Hebrew if you continue down that road. Strychnine in the eggplant. That's it. Um. So yeah, we have this kind of like revulsion to things which look like they may be, um, basically poor genetic choices, right, for our offspring, um, because we want to further our genetic lineage. Yes. Um. And yeah. This uncanniness may be a result of, as I say, things like poor hormonal health or low fertility or disease. Okay. Um, that's like a pretty basic biological one. We're going to get into some more like philosophical, psychological, and mad mm. ones. I love so, it. So uh, a thing called mortality salience, Ooh. which has nothing to do with salt water. Um, so viewing an uncanny robot elicits a fear of death and culturally supported defenses for coping with the inevitability of death. So, all right. For example, if you see a partially dissembled robot, excuse me, partially disassembled robot, that plays on fears of annihilation or replacement. Questions like are we just soulless machines ourselves? Are we all simply doomed to die like this robot? Um are androids being essentially copies of humans? Um, basically just reinforcing this fear that we could be replaced, not only in our jobs, but in relationships. I'm just going to start holding on to this desk because I feel like I'm about to fall into an existential black hole. (laughs) Again, the Hebrew way. Um, (laughs) Holding on to dear life. (laughs) Holding on to dear life to a tangent. Um, (laughs) But um, yeah, this is why, this is one of the reasons why people fear AI so much as it gets more human. Can it replace us in our relationships? Can it replace us in our workplace? Mm. Can I still get paid for an AI doing my job? Yeah, and I think, like, you know, having 
worked for companies that build and having personally interacted with things like automated chatbots, right? Um, there's a fine line of where it's pretending to be a real person and then it will get caught in some speech pattern or repetition and it breaks you out of that session where you're like, wait, fuck, this is just an automated machine. Yeah, that, that immersion snaps. Yeah. And then you're like... But I mean, we've, we, well, we've said this before is that an AI at the moment is a complex decision tree. Or yeah, rather, no, most consumer-grade AI. It's completely a farce at the moment. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that there are incredibly um, advanced AIs which would make those look really paltry and that would probably blow our minds, but they are still just complex decision trees. It's not, it's not learning in a conscious way. No, it's no. just learning from mathematical formula and yeah. experience. Yeah. And then, but then also you have the questions like, well, what makes us different to that? But well, the answer is quite a lot. Yeah, and I don't think I'm qualified enough to answer that question. I only have an undergrad in psychology. <laughs> and neither of us have philosophy degrees, and this is not the podcast for that. No. Um, so um, this also, this the idea of being replaced with um, on the job or in relationships, etc., gave me really big um, shades of Fallout 4 and synths. Yeah. Um, yep. And then okay. I couldn't stop thinking about playing Fallout 4 again, so that was fun. Yeah, but then Games you just I've end not up, really thought about. No, you just end up going back to New Vegas. You know it. Fuck, I would. <sighs> Fuck, I love New Vegas. <laughs> um, so, um, seeing things with uh, jerky robotic movements make us fear the concept of um, losing control of our own bodies. And um, I would like to add as a um, an addendum. And then he said an aperitif. That's a different thing altogether. Uh, as a little aperitif, here's a martini. But as an addendum, um, if you ever had ketamine, you may fully understand this fear. Um, moving on mm. to pathogen avoidance. Um, so uncanny stimuli may uh, activate a response we evolved to avoid pathogens. So defects in the way a human looks could indicate diseases. Um, so the more human-looking organisms are... Um, sorry... More human-looking organisms are more related to humans genetically, so it means you're more likely to get disease-causing bacteria, viruses, or parasites from them. So if you come across right. something that looks like a human but isn't, yeah, then you're like, well, they are more likely to carry something which could harm me than, like, a cat. Sure. Okay, I see. Yeah, I think I get it. Yeah. So this is why things like... Um, um, some people, I know I'm I'm one of them, people find um, apes and chimpanzees a little uneasy and disturbing. Right, okay. Um, it could explain that kind of thing. Because they're close um, enough that you're like, well, who knows? I might yeah, catch something exactly. from being near them. That's it, that's it. Right. These, they, and these are all theories of like, you know, innate, like subconscious stuff. Yeah. Um, yeah. And this is why things like androids and animated human characters give us the same reactions as things like corpses or heavily diseased individuals we have the same we have the same subconscious and um like measurable response when seeing a diseased corpse yeah. as we do seeing an an uncanny android yeah well, because I mean, that's that that's the thing right is it's often really difficult to describe these feelings because they are just totally subconscious and they're based on like yeah. generations of evolution and biological information and you just look at something and you go that doesn't feel right and that's the best you can do but it's 100 shit like this yeah yeah it's pure heebie-jeebies it's yeah. like 
the best yeah, way to cover yeah. it. This is what it is. You look at you look at a decayed corpse and you're like, whoa, that's that's gross and, and dangerous and stuff, and I might catch something off that. You look at a, you look at um uh an you know an, an, a humanoid looking android, and you get the same feeling. Not because you're thinking consciously, oh, I might catch something off that, but because there's a subconscious um evolutionary response which mm. is that thing which looks almost like me but isn't could be carrying a disease that yeah. could affect me because we are similar enough yeah um yeah. in the same way when we see you know we still shit ourselves when we see things like big cats and stuff yeah um so the next one is um sortie's paradox so this one's a really interesting one which is that the mixing of human and non-human traits in a single individual undermines our sense of human identity and what it makes what it means to be a human what it what it means to make up a human okay so uh we could quantitatively describe this as a degree of human likeness mm. um so yeah like the more you add slightly non-human traits to a human the less it becomes human-like yeah. so if you think of the uncanny valley as that graph reading left to right if you read it right to left it's like human and you take away human elements Right, okay. and it immediately drops into the valley, and then the more inhuman elements you add, and it gets further away from human, you feel less uncomfortable with it. And that's right. things like that that Ambio bot or whatever it was called AI Ibo. Like it's not it, it like it's it's human shaped, but it's not human. Yeah, so it doesn't you don't feel weird about it. Yeah, it's far enough because away. it's taken enough away. Yeah, um, and I think that's really interesting. Um, the next one is violation of human norms. So this is like the closeness to. Uh, the closeness to human means we stop judging it as non-human. So, okay. Again, I'm going to use that robot as like a, as, a, as, a, as an example, like because it's far away from human, we judge it as non-human and, 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 and um, it stops being, and, and, and it's just a robot doing its best. Sure. Yeah. It's just, it's just like right. a piece of machinery that we can, uh, evaluate yeah. as such 100 percent. it's like when people I, I see people freak out for some reason being dramatic tits online about those like boston robotics um like oh, dogs boston, boston and, dynamics um, yeah boston dynamics stuff they're like oh it's so creepy it's like no it isn't is it because it's very obviously a series of gears and servers and motors and servos and motors and you know pneumatics and stuff like that propelling it yeah like it's got slightly human movement but i don't, I don't feel i don't feel creeped out by that no, but it's also like it, they've built one of these things and it can do a very specific set of motions that are somewhat yeah. human-like, but they're, they're not at the point where it can just like walk around and do shit. No, and don't get me wrong, that montage of it like trying to pick up a box and the guy keeps knocking it away with a hockey stick yeah. and then it cutting to it, walking out the door with the caption, fuck this, I'm out, Yeah, made me piss myself. Yeah, no, that shit Because is that is great. very funny. Because <laughs> it just... For people who haven't seen it, it's like literally like trying to bend down. and It's like an exoskeleton trying to bend down and pick up a box. And this guy keeps pushing it, the box away with a um, hockey stick. And then occasionally pushes the robot away. And the robot sort of like stumbles back. And like the way it moves is it's almost offended. It's like, ugh, okay. And then moves up because it's, it's adjusting. So yeah. it looks like it's taking a moment to be like pissed off and then try again. And then yeah. it cuts immediately to it walking to a door with like a push bar to open and it pushes the bar and just walks out into the snow. Yeah, but even, yeah, they've captured even, it with fuck this, I'm out. <laughs> even that, and this is maybe me being like a cynic because I work in software development, is you could have easily programmed it to just do that after five failed attempts. Oh, that's exactly what it is. And then you completely just stage like the whole thing. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, it's more just I think that's hilarious than anything mm. else. Like, and I'm ascribing all these emotions to it. Yeah, yeah. Like the the pissed offness because that's the same kind of thing that I would do, but it's doing it because it's thinking. I'm doing it because I'm like, ugh, and dramatic. Yeah. But it just looks like it's being a big dramatic, like extra, you know, whiny git. Yeah. Um, but the, to come back to the point, um, so a robot in the Uncanny Valley stops being a robot trying its best and trying to look human and instead it starts looking like a human doing a bad job of being a human uh, i also just really like the phrase a robot doing its best <laughs> yeah i'm a big fan of the phrase doing my best like yeah. it's a john mulaney thing where he's talking about driving badly and he's like i pulled a maneuver where I, I merged across three lanes to get across into an exit lane and you could just see everyone else looking into the car wondering what kind of blind geriatric dog was driving only to see a 30 year old man trying his best <laughs> yes um but yeah, like that's the thing is, is, is it, uh, this suddenly starts being a robot trying its best to be human, gambate, and instead is like a human doing a bad job of being a human. Yeah. Which is fucking creepy. If you yes. see someone that looks almost but not quite like a human, kind of failing to be a human, you'd be like, okay. Yeah, you just and get that's like, why, um, all of that like apprehension and anxiety about it. Yeah, um, and that's because it's a violation of human norms. Mm. Um, uh, I, I, like, are you familiar with not the movie series, but the the high strangeness concept of Men in Black? Hang on, no. What? Oh, we might discuss it another time. But they, 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 so for people that are into the paranormal, Men in Black occasionally do things where they, like, they are otherworldly entities seemingly or something like that and they pose as humans and they and they wear black suits and black hats and black sunglasses and stuff often and then they will come to people's houses after they've experienced paranormal events and interview them and then they'll do really weird things where they'll be just like um people have reported like one of them just staring for ages at a ballpoint pen in amazement you're kind of and just then, describing the movie men in black it's they come to your house and they do weird shit they ask you a bunch yeah, of yeah, questions. But but these ones are like, they're, they're obviously like unfamiliar with yeah, okay. Earth and like their human skin almost. And they're like, or like one of them was like, I need gets sugar water, water and just immediate. Well, yes. Um, sorry. Um, <laughs> Vincent D'Onofrio, man. That dude was Kingpin and the Daredevil. Fuck, he was. Yeah. He's a Wait, giant man. No, he wasn't. Yeah, I think Reigns was Kingpin. No, in the Netflix series Daredevil. Oh, Vincent D'Onofrio was say, played like, He was black, bro. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, really problematic. Um, I want to go watch Men in Black now. Um, anyway, moving on. Uh, so there was one here that said religious definitions of human identity, and my bullet point here just says don't care. So conflicting perceptual yeah. cues is my next one. Um, so this is about having elements of one thing whilst being another. So having visible robot features on a human, for example. So if you see someone that's like, purely looks like a human but then like you see like their shoulder has like gears oh yeah okay i mean not gears because it's not steampunk but obviously you know like actuators um it creates cognitive dissonance and we have the same feelings of cognitive dissonance so cognitive dissonance people for those that don't know i find this really difficult to explain um i'm not very good at it but it's when you i guess like it's 
all signs point to one thing and then yet there is something else telling you it's completely different. So one way to think about cognitive dissonance would be if you are looking at something, um, Christ, let's say like it looks like an orange and it's got an orange's skin and it's got the smell of an orange and it's got all the peel and the pips and 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 the bits inside it, but it's blue. It's like that yeah. is a cognitive dissonance because you're like everything about this is correct, but there's some there there is elements that are completely flipping the script. Yeah, it's it's usually based on like expectations or preconceived notions you have about something based on your world experience, and then like if you had that orange and then you cut it in half and then you saw that the inside was blue, that would be that moment. Yeah, there we go. That, see, this is this is why this is why we make a great a groin grabbingly good team, Mike. Yeah, yeah, and it's you know. Um, it's the Hebrew way. You remember part of it. Yeah. I remember part of it. Maybe we're close to the truth. Who knows? That is literally the Hebrew way, yeah. which I think the thing is we ascribe about 40,000 different things to being the Hebrew way, yeah. but I really like it. We could put out a um, book. The Hebrew way, just yeah. loads of partial facts. Yeah, um, basically. I like that. Um, this also reminds me, Mike, this is more just a question than anything else. Are you familiar with the concept of ludonarrative dissonance? Oh, yes, I am. That stuff is fun. Yeah, you want to try and explain that one? Because I don't remember it off the top of my head. So this is dissonance caused by gaming, uh, by games. So it's quite a big thing in video games where the narrative will tell you one thing and the gameplay will tell you another. Yeah, pretty Um, much. So, yeah. So your narrative might be... So a really good game for this is Spec Ops The Line, where like you are fighting all these rebels and you're trying to like get through this, um, you know, what looks like a terrorist laden hellscape. And then it kind of turns out the more you get into it, that actually you're the bad guy. And what you're doing is killing a lot of innocent people that are just defending themselves. And you end up killing a lot of innocent women and children and in a really horrendous attack. But like your Ludo narrative dissonance is that you're playing a video game, which is, you know, you're used to these certain like tropes and, 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 and as you move through it, it does certain things. Um, or other games where they'll say like, oh, you know, this is a terrible thing. You shouldn't do this. And then the gameplay is, go do it. Yeah, basically. And you're like, like oh, I shouldn't be doing this. L- Ludo refers to like game. gameplay. Narrative refers to storytelling. And then dissonance is just the two of those things being at odds. Um, yeah. But I think that, that last point is kind of the main one is, yeah, like no they're, they're, trying to, they're trying to like tell a story of why this thing is bad, but then they're making you play the character of the person carrying out those bad actions. Yeah. It, it makes you feel intense, unease and yeah. discomfort. And it's, it's not to uh, say no, that no it, Russians are classic, isn't it? Yeah. Not to say that it can't be done, but it's very difficult to do it. Well, is to have you like play oh, both sides like that. 100%. Uh, also, can I just say how mad it is that like culturally you and I both know what the words no Russian means. Yep. It's a well, it's a very specific thing. It's what Modern Warfare yeah. One, I think. Yeah, it must have been Call of Duty Modern yeah, Warfare. Call of Duty Three, yeah. Modern Warfare One. Yeah, fuck me. Anyway, um, so conflicting perceptual cues create this idea of um, cognitive dissonance, uh, and I will say that this one is really interesting because on Wikipedia there is a fuckload of scientific research into this theory, mm-hmm. and I know this because. As I've written down, as evidenced by the fact that for some reason there are a list of theories on Wikipedia and this one just has a fuckload of written in studies. Now, most of them are covered in like a couple of lines or even like a short paragraph. This one has like eight fucking paragraphs because obviously whoever wrote this bit of Wikipedia, this particular paragraph, Mm. wanted people to know that they knew about it and done their research. So they 
cited fucking like eight studies. It's yeah. like, yeah, all right, bro, we get it. Yes. Yeah, they just copied like an undergrad thesis into Wikipedia and just went, here, <laughs> here's all my work. Hey, maybe they even wrote the undergrad thesis. So if that was you, the likelihood that you're listening to this is basically none. Good on you. Yeah. Wikipedia. Congratulations, Wikipedia user. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, and the second to last one, the penultimate one, would be the threat to humans' distinctiveness and identity. So very human-like entities challenge our very understanding of what it means to possess humanness. Mm. So it means that we need to redefine the property of what it means to be human, and we feel a threat to human distinctiveness and identity. Sure. Okay. This one feels more like a modern example because like the things that would be evolutionary like a corpse or someone with an illness mm. we wouldn't redefine their humanness i, th- I think it, like would, if anything right. it's probably more a modern interpretation of all of the things that we've kind of talked about so far yeah yeah this is quite possible like in terms of like philo- philosophical directions in terms of like what it is to be human um yeah, that's probably just more what it is. That would be my guess. I'm not someone who reads a lot of philosophy, but um, yeah, it's it, it feels like there's elements of all the other stuff in this. Yeah, yeah. I, I, it, does, it does sort of smack of all of them. Yes, mm. 100%. Um, so the last one I've got here, and this obviously being the spooky uh man that i am yes. being my favorite and this wasn't on wikipedia but i decided to put it in because yolo not into wikipedia but into the podcast oh yeah i think this is the fun one so this is what i would describe as supernatural explanations for the uncanny valley so what we have done is basically evolved a response to things that look like us but aren't us yeah because we've come across them before. Which is to say, how much of folklore contains almost human monsters? Yeah, probably. So you think of things like... Probably a lot of it. Yes. Zombies, vampires, demons, doppelgangers, changelings. Um, a really creepy one that got brought up in an article I was reading. The, are you familiar with the Doctor Who episode, The Empty Child? I don't know if you're a Doctor, Doctor Who I've fan, but the, the kid with the gas single, mask. never seen a single episode of Doctor Who. Mike, hear me out. It's actually really good. Uh, yeah, people keep telling me. I've just never got around to it. It's Dece. Uh Living statues, uh, mannequins. People find those very creepy. Yeah. And uh, according to Wikipedia, 81 different human-skinned humanoids that I... Yeah, I, I put in humanoid monsters onto yeah. Wikipedia. And there was like three different categories. There was like human-skinned humanoids, monster-skinned humanoids, and monster-skinned something else. All right. Like, monsters. <laughs> I thought like, one of those was just like... going to be Doctor Who shit. <laughs> no. Uh, the Empty Child, by the way, is a very, very creepy episode where a child's face gets fused with a gas mask and then it it's oh god terrifying yeah it's dude it's 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 one of the first episodes i saw of the like new doctor who's and it scared the fuck out of me it is genuinely scary it's a great episode um uh, but yeah 81 different uh things came up in that human skin humanoids thing and that was to say like it was things that were human but not like humanoid but not like the thing from Ten Thousand fathoms where it's like well you don't even look like a human you look like a fish beast sure yeah yeah um, 
So my question is for this supernatural one is that what if ancient humans came across these capital O others? These things trying to blend into humanity. Right. To either study us or feed on us uh-huh. or something. But we're not quite able to blend in. They were almost right. Yeah. And this is a thing that I saw on the internet, which was basically like the reason the Uncanny Valley exists is because aliens have been here before and they came among us to study us, but they weren't quite us. Right. And we knew there was something off about them. And every time people encountered them, fucked up shit would happen because people would disappear because they get taken away to study. And you knew that these fucking weird weird people that weren't quite people maybe they would look like people but they moved wrong or maybe they looked like people but their eyes blinked inwards like a like a, a reptile eye not vertically yeah. yeah maybe that's where this has come from yeah this ancient ancient thing where we've <laughs> we've come across others before uh-huh look that that would be and we know to avoid them a more novel answer i'll give you that that's me, baby. Writing a novel. <laughs> Go on, then. Write a novel about uh, how you think this is all to do with aliens visiting Earth periodically over the course of thousands and thousands of years. I don't think that would be difficult to write. It pretty much writes itself. Um, I'm sure someone's already also done it, just, honestly. Yeah. I'll be honest with you. You could just call the book The Uncanny Valley. Yeah. And you could even set it in a valley. No, it have to be something where, like The Uncanny Valley colon the truth no because that makes it sound like some right-wing book i mean yeah you're, you're basically in conspiracy theory territory yeah it sounds a little bit like what's that book by turner the turner diaries is it i, I don't know uh, i read a lot of <laughs> i'm about to say i read a lot of right-wing shit that's not really true what i mean is i read a lot of things about right-wing shit yeah yeah anyway well that's um my god now i really want to write a novel about aliens coming to earth and studying these people across hundreds of years that live in this like fertile valley and um there's nothing stopping you there is what points to self (laughs) (laughs) so you don't need your mouth to write what are you doing no abject laziness oh yeah fair ADHD brain. Yeah, I can relate. Um, um, so yeah, that was me and my th- theories. I thought you said um, me and my uncanny valley, and that's a different episode. Um, in that case, what I'm going to do is write a porno called The Uncanny Valley. Yeah, and it looks like <laughs> no. <laughs> yes, because you thought you were going to get it there, but actually, it's in your butt. There you go. <laughs> Sorry. Should we hit the beep? So, Mike, that was a quick tour around the Uncanny Valley, which I'm sure you'll agree is a fun wordplay. So, I have a couple of things to finish off with. One, which is a really interesting thing that, and I'd like to, um, I can't even do this, Mike. This is going to make it sound like a really professional podcast. Go on. I'd like to refer to um, some work by one of our researchers. Go on. 
because when I was writing this last night, Katie sent me a couple of articles that she ah. thought might be useful. Okay. Which I thought was really nice. Um, and it was about morality in the Uncanny Valley. All right. So this is, and I'm going to quote here and then I'll probably explain it because it's not the easiest thing to, so I don't even know I'm including the quote, but here we go. In tests, people evaluate moral choices by robots that resemble human as less moral compared to the same moral choices made by humans or non-human robots. A moral uncanny valley effect. Hmm. That is to say, if you give a robot, a human ro- human-like robot, an inhuman-like robot, that is to say something in the, mor- in, the, in the valley, and then a human, the same choices, and they all made the same decision, people would um, rate the thing in the uncanny valley as having a less moral choice right. as having made a more immoral decision. Right. All right. So like basically, yeah, if, if I, if I, if I did like the trolley problem and I made a person do it and, uh, a, uh, that, uh, Ibo robot mm-hmm. do it. And then I made some like creepy ass fucking mannequin <laughs> robot do it. <laughs> yeah. And I get people to rate it on a scale of one to ten, for example. People would be like, "Well, the human didn't make." If they all made the same decision, the human made like a four out of ten choice. So, if we did the the trolley problem, and we um, did it to uh, that little Honda robot, whatever it's called, mm-hmm. a creepy ass mannequin robot, and then a human, and they all made the same decision, and we got people to rate how moral that decision was on a scale of one to ten people would rate the creepy-ass mannequin robot as having a less moral decision. Right, so it follows the same, like, the, the graph looks the same, but you're just measuring something different. Yeah, yeah because right. people rate things in the Uncanny Valley as having less moral decision-making, yeah. even compared to things which are purely robot Roboty, not robot-y. Robotic. Robot-y. That's... Roberto. <laughs> Robotussin? What's that, um font on google roboto yeah roboto that's it yeah (laughs) yeah anyway how mad's that yeah i mean so like i guess perception of their morality follows the valley i guess it makes sense like there's there's got to be some underlying thing that we're assessing them against and regardless of what trait you measure it follows that pattern but now there's just questions yeah. of like how much does morality relate to your humanness or what are we comparing morality to? Well, that's it. Mm. And neither of us are equipped to discuss that. But that seems to be the implication is that Certainly we relate not after morality. fucking 2.8 standard drinks, I'll tell you that much. No, we apparently equate morality to being human. Mm-hmm. Of course we do. Incredibly mm-hmm. egocentric beings that we are. Fuck yeah. So... Different question then, mm. on the same sort of topic. Um, let's quickly talk on because I'd love to talk about this properly one day on the show. Yeah, okay. transhumanism. Oh, all right. So, do you think as transhumanism takes off, which it will? I don't think we'll ever not do that. Mm-hmm. Um, I do. I do genuinely think that shit like cyberpunk, while not a hundred percent bang on like Mm. that shit will 
start to come about. And I think we'll we'll eventually see people with robotic parts and stuff like that. Sure. Okay. Do you think this will lead to the same sort of feelings? Do you think it'll make us really uncomfortable and like feel good about I, shit? I think it depends on like, cause right now I think the biggest barrier to things like trans transhumanism is technological. Like we don't currently, yeah, 100%. to my knowledge at least have good technology that you can put into someone's body that the body won't reject. You know, you can have like external no. prosthetics and, things like that and that's all fine but as soon as you try to integrate it inside of someone's body we don't quite have like the materials or whatever it is to have it properly integrate and you know if, if you had like a you know like the scene from star wars where luke gets the fake hand and you see all the little the little gadgets moving his fingers um, yeah and then he does the like we, we don't have that kind of shit yet right um and i think yeah as we get closer to you know, bridging that gap, unlocking that door, whichever metaphor you want to use, then there's a bunch of like ethical and moral questions we need to ask. And we probably need some regulations around that shit so that people aren't, yep. I don't know, putting weapons in their arm that you can't see, for example, um, yep. doing all sorts of wild stuff like that. And then I guess in terms of like the uncanny valley angle, it's probably just a question of, how quickly the changes start to occur and um, spread out throughout society. Because if it was like all of a sudden, here's a bunch of people that show up and they've got all these visible prosthetics and things or whatever they might be, then there's more of that shock value. But if it's like yep. the slow thing over a long period of time, then societally we get more time to adjust to that idea. And it's... um yeah i guess like a little easier to get used to in a sense but i think there's always going to be that initial reaction of like wait this is weird and the closest thing i can well, think of is like thinking about like my own education around like trans people for example right like the first time you come across that idea um it's it's odd and it gives you that moment of like wait this isn't what i'm used to this isn't how i understand the world and then the more you're exposed to it the more it becomes normalized and then it's just, yeah, that's it's a, a, really it's a similar question of like, how long does it take for that to happen on a large scale? Well, that's a really interesting angle. I hadn't thought about that because I was going to say like, it's fairly evolutionary. It doesn't seem like we can pick and choose our reaction to it, but. Yeah, you, you, you can, you just have to. It like, does actually. You have yeah. to, you have to want to, you have to like be a bit intentional well, about it. Yes. And then you can, for want of a better word, train yourself, yeah. which is not. Yeah, no, actually. But the, like, the, 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 this is an interesting it, sort of path. Yeah, it's like it's education and exposure, but you have to like, you know, it's it's the same thing about trans rights. It's like you have to want to understand it. Yeah, 100%. You, have, you have to go in with an open mind and and kind of just embrace the information. And yeah, it, it takes time. Like no one's going to get it immediately. Um, no. But yeah, I think it's probably a similar sort of thing to that. Fair play. Um, do you think you would embrace transhumanism? Um, I don't know. It depends what options are on the table. You know, like um, I am deaf in one ear. I, I both would like to solve that problem, but also I'm just used to not having it is the same thing. Like I had hearing aids when I was a kid and that was a whole thing I had to deal with because kids are shit and, you know, don't don't handle different well um so me being a child no. with a hearing aid did not go down well um so yeah i it, 
I try like it depends if I can like you know try it out and in a, in a non-destructive fashion like if it's a case of like get the surgery and have this thing installed and that's it and it's it's a little like I think it's it's tough when yeah, you're first I'm introducing not about that kind like of stuff. Having right? a new arm, you can't actually go back from that. <laughs> no, no. But if it's yeah, if there's a way to like temporarily almost trial what it would be like, then I guess I'd be more open to it. And I'm saying that now more so because it's a thing that doesn't exist, and you're going from nothing to something. Yeah, that's fair play. That's fair. It's play. a little. It's a little harder to understand the 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 gap there and what the other side of that gap looks like. I'm a lot less philosophical about it, and I'm just like, yeah, sign me the fuck up. I'm keen. <laughs> yeah. Put a robot leg on me. I wanna, just one. I want to jump a like, fucking clunk building. Around. Yeah. Yeah, fuck yeah. It's going to be sick. Yeah. Oh, God, I can't wait. Yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> Two very different sides of the same Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's hey, like me, me trying to balance the like science fiction nerd part of my brain and then also the, okay, but how would this work in real life, day-to-day shit kind of part of my brain? <laughs> well, so so if, I, if, if I'm completely honest with you, I'm trying to play a little balancing act at the moment of myself that uh, is, is, is a very um, specific one, which is that this is a good topic and I do think we should talk about it more. Yeah. But I do want to keep it light right now. Yeah, I do think we should do an episode on it. But also, one of my headphones just died. Yep. And I'm concerned the other one will do too. So I think we should wrap up. Yes. All right. Let's let's keep it moving. <laughs> All right. It's just on my battery low. I'm gonna fucking go for it. You yep. right? Yep. Send it. Here we go. If you like that and you want to hear more of that shit and you want to, uh, oh, balls. Okay. Go on our Instagram, Facebook, or Twitter. They are at Hebrew Podcast. Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter, and Hebrew Podcast. Mike, we have an email address. What is it? It is hello at Hebrew.zone. That is also a clue to the website, which is Hebrew.zone, where you can find links to all of the social media stuff. The email, I think, is on there somewhere. Uh, links to subscribe to us on podcast platforms that you are probably using. Uh, that's all there. Yeah, and those podcast platforms, if they have a review site or any kind of way to leave a rating or review, please do. Five star or nothing, get out. Um, yeah. We'd love to hear from you. So tell us what you think of the show. Yes, please. I think that's everything, isn't it? Yeah. All right, smashing. This has been Hey Brew. This headphone's dying. My name is Elliot. My name is Mike. Cheers. Cheers. That's the last thing I was going to tell you. Yes. That... um. Morality in the Uncanny Valley article. Yeah. And I want you to use this for the outro bit. They used four different robots. They used that little... Well, it was called Omiza, which is like the Ambio thing. Mm -hmm. They used one of the robots from iRobot. They used a person. And then they used this thing called iClooney. Oh, no. Which was a Photoshop of George Clooney's face onto the iRobot robot. Oh, fuck. I... You're about to show it to me, aren't you? Hang on. Hang on. That is fucked. Fucking terrifying, isn't it? Yeah, why does it look like he wants to fuck me? Because it's George Clooney. Also, look at Mr. Fucking No Opinion. Yeah. Yeah, that guy looks like he's having no fun. This is going to be garbage for the outro. It's an audio podcast. (laughs) Yeah, but everybody go look up iClooney. Spelt like George Clooney, but with an I in front of it. As if Apple put out a product called iClooney. Fucking Jesus, I'd buy that. I don't know that I would. I'd buy it if it was a mile. I don't know what I'm in for.